1: That was so beautiful. Thank you so much, choir and band. I felt like my heart was just lifted to the throne of heaven. And I got to say something. I just have to say this. To the kids that were outside earlier, like photo video bombing, and to Precious Sparkle that was dancing along to the VBS song, I just got to say, you made my day. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I want to be your friend. <laughs> And thank you so much for this opportunity to be able to share with you here today. This church has been such a blessing to me for so many years, and it's such an honor to have this time to share a few things that's been on my heart. Uh, Some time ago now, the church leadership reached out to me and they asked me if I could speak on the theme of the church this year on Arise. And they challenged me to think about what Arise means to me personally. So I'd like to share with you a few things that I've been studying, that I've been learning, and that I feel like God's been putting in my heart today. Now, when I first thought about the word arise, the, I think this is the thing that most of us think about when we think of that word. It's that mountaintop experience. It's that time when we conquer and the enemy is vanquished. It's that moment when the race is finished. And one, we like those happy endings. But I started to think about those moments that we don't talk about as often. Those moments where perhaps the person is just starting on their journey down the valley of the shadow of death and there's no mountaintop in sight. Or perhaps those moments when They've been walking in circles in the desert for years, and there's no promised land to be seen anywhere. I'm thinking about the person that has had defeat after defeat after defeat, and it can be so discouraging. I think of that person that's just gotten the the cancer diagnosis, and that road ahead is very dark and uncertain. Or that person that their spouse just walked out on them and the future that they thought they were going to have is no longer. I think of that person that's been fired and they have no idea how they're going to provide for their family and pay the bills. I think of the person who lost their daddy and tomorrow is a very bittersweet moment. They don't know how they're going to survive without their loved one. Now, in our culture, we like happy endings, right? We like to concentrate on the positive things. And you can just see it by the movies. It's really hard for me to find a movie made here in America that has a sad ending, right? All of them have this happy, good feeling ending. And personally, I'm a fan, honestly. Uh, But I've actually watched a few Asian movies. I don't know if you've uh, come across these, where at the end, the person just dies. And I'm like, what? Why? Oh, that was terrible. <laughs> or, or there's this weird plot twist, which is just awful. And I'm like, I hate that movie. I, I don't know why I watched it, right? I like my happy endings. But in reality, in this life, not all of our endings are happy. And I don't know that we do any better as Christians. I mean, I, I know we love to concentrate on living in victory and receiving God's blessings. We love to talk about living in the joy of God and and talk about that, that crown of glory that we're going to receive one day. But sometimes we forget that before the crown of glory, there was a crown of thorns. Sometimes I think we we forget that Before the resurrection on the third day, there was a death on the cross. And I think sometimes we forget that before God calls us to his heavenly mansions, Jesus bids us to take up our cross and follow him. So what does it look like to arise when we are asked to take up that cross and follow him, no matter how dark the road ahead seems. I was thinking about the story of Jesus and his darkest moments. And my sense is that Jesus' greatest personal victory wasn't on the third day when he arose from the dead, even though that was important. It wasn't even when he died on the cross, even though that sealed the deal for our salvation. I suspect that perhaps Jesus' greatest victory was in Gethsemane because that is where we see him struggling. That is where we see him crying out, even unto death, where we see him saying, I don't think I can do this. Please, God, take this cup from me. I don't know that I'm going to survive this. So, I started to think about and, and, and studied this story of Jesus in Gethsemane. And I would like to share with you four things that I found that Jesus did that helped him to arise to the darkest moments of his story and I think of history as well. The first thing that Jesus did is that he sought help as he was facing his greatest struggle. We read the account of him asking the three disciples to come with him. And he didn't ask them to take away this burden. He didn't ask them to uh, distract him or to try to fix things. No. Jesus asked them to simply be there with him and pray with him. And while Jesus ultimately looked to his heavenly father as his strength and support, I believe he understood the need that we have for that presence from somebody. See, we were made for him, but we were also made for each other. And in my experience in the hospital, Seen many people go through a lot of challenges and difficulties I can really tell there's a difference between the people who have great support at home and a loving family or a great church home or at least a few friends that they can count on. They seem to have a better ability to be hopeful and um, just be in a better mental state. Uh, Whenever they're facing the struggles, the medical struggles or health challenges, and the people who don't have anybody in their lives, or perhaps those at home, it's kind of toxic, it's harder for them to really grasp onto that hope, and, and, and it's harder for them to get through their challenges. I found that it really makes a difference when we have someone there with us, and Today, if you're needing some good, appropriate support, I wanna encourage you to look for somebody that can be there with you, that can listen without judgment and with a lot of compassion. And just just be there so that you know in your heart that, yeah, this is really difficult, but I'm not alone. I encourage you to consider talking to one of our pastors. We have a, a wonderful team here. Um, I know that we have Stevens Ministries as well that provide that kind of support. Personally, I believe in counseling, and I would recommend it to anybody. Um, I want to shout out to my counselor, Lindsay. I mean, she's awesome. I think we all needed Lindsay in our lives. I I was just reminded the other day of uh, just how blessed I felt to have somebody that I could talk to without any filters, (laughs) that she was there with that non-judgmental presence and that compassion. And she was I just had somebody there for me. It really made it makes a difference. So I want to encourage you today to look for somebody that can be there for you. I love the quote by um, sorry. I'm looking for Henry now and sorry. <laughs> there we go. He said, the friend who can be silent with us in a moment of despair or confusion, who can stay with us in an hour of grief and bereavement, who can tolerate not knowing, not healing, not curing, that is a friend who cares. If you would like a little bit more um, information and ideas of what it looks like to be able to identify a trustworthy person and how to be a trustworthy person for somebody else, and if you would like some tips on what are some appropriate things to say or what not to say to a person that's going uh, through a crisis, I want to invite you today to join us this, uh, for this week's coming podcast, where we're going to talk a little bit more about that. The next thing that Jesus did is that he was very real and raw about his feelings and experiences. My soul is very sorrowful, even unto death. I really appreciate his example. And his example, not just as a human being, but as a leader in front of his own disciples, he was willing to be so vulnerable and he was willing to share just how much this pained him and even shared the fact that he was scared and he didn't feel like he didn't want to do this. He didn't want to drink of the cup and and follow God's will for his life. It, It was a struggle. In my life, I've realized that when it comes to feelings, what we don't own will own us. What we don't own will own us. And so many times I've seen people in grief in my ministry at the hospital. And and different people deal with it differently. The time that honestly I most worry about, the people that I most worry about, are those that I notice they want to kind of stuff it in. They And sometimes they'll tell me, I, I just want to be strong. I, I, don't, I don't want to cry because I don't want to break down right now. I got to be strong.
0: Yeah. And
1: uh, my heart hurts for them because I know that in the long run, holding in that grief and those tears can actually have more negative effects in their lives versus positive. Um, physician Henry Maudsley said, The sorrow that has no vent in tears may make other organs weep. I also re- am reminded of uh, an interview that I heard w- with Brene Brown, and she was talking about, you know, during this pandemic about the collective grief that people were feeling. And she mentioned that those that, w- when we try to like stuff down or suppress our grief, that grief metastasizes. And and w- just one more quote that I wanted to share with you by T.G. Jakes, he said, "Well, we, we can't heal what we don't feel. I mean, that goes physically, right? I mean, how many of you would never see the doctor unless you were in pain or in discomfort, right? <laughs> in, in a certain sense, those negative feelings that we sometimes struggle with are a blessing because they indicate an area in our lives that might need some healing personally this has been a growing journey for me as well i remember several years ago i I was asked to give support to this family who had come here on vacation this is like a big vacation they wanted to do the whole disney thing and everything and Having a great time, but then all of a sudden one evening, the husband just up and collapsed. So of course nine one one was called. He was transferred to our hospital, and he ended up passing away a few days later. When I went to visit this family, I spent a lot of time with the wife and the two daughters that were there. In fact, I was there kind of over a little over to my time, so. By the time I was finished with them, I mean, I was tired. I just wanted to get home. So I just quickly, you know, wrapped up, chartered, wrapped up, and got home. But unfortunately, I was in a pretty sour mood that evening. I remember being like no patience at all with my kids. And at one point, my husband, they're over there. (laughs) And at one point, my husband um, said something (coughs) And I just snapped at him. Thankfully, he had the presence of mind to come over to me and say, Tati, I don't think I deserve to be spoken to that way. Tell me what's going on. And that really hit me it made me realize that this the story uh, and this loss that this family was experiencing was affecting me more than what I had originally thought. For one thing, this uh, daddy and husband was 56 years old and my dad was 56 years old when he passed away. This man had three daughters and my dad had three daughters. And I remember just, just connecting with my own pain and grief when, as a daughter when I was losing my daddy, when I was um, being present with the daughters. So the next day I went back to work and continued to visit them and give them support as they said their last goodbyes to this patient. But when I was done that day with them, I decided to do something a little different. I went back to the pastoral care office And I was looking for one of my colleagues, somebody that I could talk to. Thankfully, my director, Edwin, was there. He pulled me into one of the offices and sat down. And I just sat down, I just started crying. And then I was able to tell him the story of this family and why it was affecting me so much. He listened and shared some words of empathy with me and just gave me that space to debrief and and just let settle in what was going on. That evening, I went home different. I was still sad, I was still grieving for this loss and for myself, but I felt a lot more at peace. And when I got home, I remember just feeling grateful for my family and wanting to cuddle my kids and say thank you to my husband. What we don't own will own us. And I want to encourage you today to have the courage to own your feelings so that they don't own you and so that you can be in a better place to manage them in a healthy way. The next thing that Jesus did is that he got to the point of surrender and acceptance. Personally, I think that the spiritual battle of surrender is probably the most difficult battle there is. I certainly have felt that in my life and I see that in in the life of Jesus. He struggled with surrendering. Three times the account says that he went on his knees and cried out, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but may, as your will be done. And I love the account of the Desire of Ages where it describes that on the third uh, time that he went and he knelt down to say this prayer, God sent his mighty angel down to encourage Jesus. And the angel didn't take the cup away from him. No, he actually helped Jesus drink the cup, but it was enough. Jesus was reminded of God's love for him and of his love for us. You see, on the one hand, he'd been struggling with the weight of the sin of this world and the separation from God, and he just couldn't imagine getting past the grave. He couldn't see beyond the darkness of the grave. And it was terrifying to think that he was going to be separated from his God, from his father. And on the other hand, he loved us so much that he could not imagine a future without us. So he decided to take that step and drink the cup that God had for him and completely surrender everything to him. And I believe that this was the point of peace. This is the point where he was able to obtain that peace that surpasses all understanding. One of my favorite authors, um, Erwin McManus says, peace of mind is not about certainty, but about hope filled mystery. May we have the courage to let go of certainty and are in control. And I know that's a big one for a lot of people so that we can embrace the incredible journey of hope filled mystery that God calls us to. Just like this mom. Cancer. She'd been with cancer for a couple years. And the day came where the doctors went to her and they explained to her that there was nothing more that they could do. So the, the chaplain was called to give her support. And I went up there, sat down, and right away she explained to me that personally she wasn't afraid of death. Like her relationship with God was good. And she knew that she was gonna go to heaven but what caused her to feel this anguish in accepting her mortality was thinking of her kids. She had, I think, a couple of teenagers, maybe somebody in middle school. So they were still young. They still had some years, some growing up years to do. And she grieved the idea that her kids would have to finish growing up without her. So I felt impressed to invite her to use her imagination in prayer to close her eyes and just imagine herself being before her father in heaven and bringing to him her kids one by one, surrendering them to him. This took a while, right? There was a lot of tears, But when she opened her eyes again, I could see there was more peace there. She shared that it was, she was reminded that actually God cared more about her kids than she did, believe it or not. (laughs) And she was reminded of the fact that God could be trusted with her children, her most precious treasure. God can be trusted with our most precious treasure in our heart. May we have the courage to surrender and remember that surrender leads to peace. So once he did this, the last thing that Jesus did is that he arose with grit and courage and he said to his disciples after the third prayer, he said, Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And I don't know about you, but I think this is pretty incredible. I mean, he was willing to rise up and face the person that, was, that had been so close to him for three and a half years. That he knew it was going to betray him. He was willing to rise up and meet them head on to lean into those fears and and embrace the journey that God had for him. He was willing to rise up and know that he was going to go through this unjust and unfair trial and endure all matters, all kinds of abuse. And he was willing to rise up to take up his cross and follow his heavenly father and die for us. Now, Honestly, I can't say that I've had that kind of guts. (laughs) But I am inspired by his courage. And I'm reminded of a time that... uh, It's been, I think, five or six years now. My director, Edwin, called me. He said he wanted to meet with me, you know, one-on-one. And we sat down in my office. And I remember he had this list that he was holding. And he began to call me out on some things that he noticed that I was doing wrong. He began to call me out on the ways that I had not been a good team player, on some ways that had reacted to certain situations that just wasn't the best. And there was several things on the list that he went through. I remember just sitting there and just listening because I was afraid that if I said something, I was going to start crying, you know. It was a very difficult conversation to hear and feedback to get, especially from somebody that has been my pastor, my mentor, father figure. I realized that I I hate to disappoint the people that I most admire and, and respect in life. It's so hard to feel that I disappointed him and my team. So at the end of our conversation, I thanked him for sharing that and asked for the list. I went home, talked to my husband, and had a lot of conversations with God about it. And I was able to find uh, a dear acquaintance of mine who's also a psychologist. She was so gracious in making some time to meet with me so that we can go over the list and I could process more of the feedback that I had received So a week from the time that um, Edwin and I had first talked, I went back to him and I said, hey, can, can I get back with you on that now? Can we meet? And so we sat down and I told him, bring it on. I want to grow. And this moment that had been one of the lowest moments of my career was one of the best opportunities that I had to just lean into my fears and have that grit to arise and encourage. Um, a few days later, when we had our round table with all of the chaplains, I, went, I spoke to my team and I, I apologized. I told them, I'm so sorry, I haven't been a good team player and I'm aware of some things that I've been doing. I just want you to know, I'm gonna be working on myself and I'm gonna work on getting better. And then about six months later, Edwin pulled me aside and he said, Tati, he said, I just want you to know, I've been noticing how you're working on improving and you're doing so good. Thank you. And thank you for the way you responded. I'm so proud of you. Oh, that just meant the world to me. I love what um, Mary Ann Radmacher, there's this um, quote that that I read that I just love, and she said this, courage doesn't always roar. Sometimes courage is a little voice at the end of the day that says, I'll try again tomorrow. So I want you to know that sometimes, yes, we need courage for big things, but sometimes it's just courage to take that one extra little step. And that's good enough. And then I got to share with you my favorite, uh, or one one of my favorite uh, verses of the Bible from Exodus chapter 20, verse 21. This is, you know, when uh, Moses and the Israelites were before the mountain of Sinai. And it said, And the people stood afar off, but Moses entered into the deep, darkness where God was. Today, I want to encourage you to have that grit and courage that you need to rise up and enter into that deep darkness, because that is where God is. God bless.
2: This is one of my favorite parts of the, uh, the the worship experience because here at Whole Life we don't just have somebody get up front talk and then we walk. Instead we say let's go ahead and interact with that. Let's respond to that. And so uh, we've already had a lot of responses. And uh, Tatiana we just we're really grateful that you spoke today. You've been preaching since you're 12, so I don't know how you missed being here until today. But we will have to have you back again. It was this was. Uh, when I, we had Rob just write in and said, what a beautiful sermon of Arise. I pray that I have the courage um, that my Lord had. Thank you, Tatiana, for sharing this beautiful, heartfelt sermon. Thank you. Um, I wanted to ask you um, this question. Uh, I think that we have a tendency to treat mental health differently than physical mm-hmm. health. Um, as a chaplain, do you see that? You're, you're working in a healthcare facility that treats a lot of different things, and part of your responsibility is to help with that mental health. Yeah. But do you see that people kind of react differently to receiving mental health support than they do to receiving physical health support?
1: I have seen that, yes. And it's it's unfortunate in many ways. I mean, it's one thing to, you know, say that uh, they're having a difficult time because, say, they broke a bone or, you know, they... Got had a heart attack. And it's another thing to say, there's like a stigma to say, man, I'm feeling so depressed right now. Or I don't feel like getting out of bed today. And one thing that I've noticed in, in my ministry is that there's actually more of a connection between our mind, body, and spirit than what we realize. And when one is not doing so well, it can affect it. I think it does affect the other two aspects. So there's something that is so important about embracing the wholeness of the person and embracing all of us. And I think that starts with me being okay with embracing my humanity and the fullness of it, mind, body, and spirit, and also then embracing others in their humanity.
2: Marsha wrote in and asked, shouldn't all Christians die happy in Christ, knowing that on that resurrection day, they'll see their Savior?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah.
2: So what do you do if you're not feeling? I mean, you are encountering people on a pretty regular basis who are facing the mortality. They're recognizing that, the, that time is winding down. Yeah. And I think you kind of shared a little bit that sometimes it, it's about what's left behind as much as anything and so is it wrong for somebody to feel upset and to feel hurt that when they get that kind of a diagnosis
1: not at all i think it's very human and normal and i I actually want to backtrack just a little bit Uh, happiness and joy to me are different and there's a difference between being happy you know for moments for moments of things that happen that just make you happy. And there's a difference in having that deep-seated joy. So let me just say that perhaps we don't always feel happy, but we can still feel joy. And um, if I may just share, there was a time in my life that it was really rough. And I hated to hear that that question, like, how are you doing today? Because <laughs> honestly, I just wanted to say, I, I'm, I'm doing terrible. I just feel like crying right now. You know. And then one time, um, just out of the blue, somebody uh, came up to me and asked, are you happy? And I hadn't heard that question before. I'm like, "Uh, uh, yeah. (laughs) Um, But then as I thought about it, I realized, you know what? No, I'm not that happy right now, but that's okay. Because even when I'm not feeling happy, I know that this trial that I'm going through is teaching me and I find meaning in it. And that can give me joy when I find meaning in the situation.
2: Kind of to that, I think, is is another question that we receive from online. And this question says, do you think maybe some of the dark challenges that are placed in our path might help someone else's walk with God? And it may not have anything to do with our walk since God is powerful and knows all and we do not.
1: I think whenever we go through a challenge, it does have to do with our walk as well. And when we are able to learn from them and find meaning in those challenges, I believe that God can use those moments to help us to encourage somebody else when we find somebody going through a similar challenge. And, and there's something about people who've gone through suffering and their capacity to be compassionate with others that I find occurs with those that are, are, are very acquainted with grief. There's a depth there that those who haven't been very acquainted with grief and with difficult times might not really get yet, at least not in that stage in their lives. So what I find is that the, even though uh, sadness and difficulties can can put a dent in our lives, that same, like I, I want to say, I, I, I visualize like this hole being dug out, right? That same hole can be filled with a capacity for compassion that nothing else can. And in that sense, I believe God can use us to share that compassion and show that to somebody else at the right time.
2: Tatiana, that's beautiful. And uh, we're gonna go ahead and wrap it up for now. But I'm really excited that you have agreed to be on our church's podcast, This Is Whole Life. You can find that anywhere podcasts are, This Is Whole Life. Usually comes out, I think, on uh, Wednesday morning. Wednesday morning is when it comes out. So. Um, and what I love is that Tatiana is going to answer the rest of the questions that we didn't have a chance to get to, but she has actually come prepared to actually share some very significant resources with you in the podcast about how to respond when you are trying to help somebody through grief and when you're experiencing it yourself. So Tatiana, we're going to look forward to that. Thank you so much for uh, everything you're doing. We really appreciate you. God God bless. Thank you. I'm very grateful that Tatiana brought this topic up because it's important for us to recognize that a lot of us are going through dark times in our lives, and sometimes it's easy in a church setting to not feel like that's the right place to talk about things, but this is exactly the right place, and at Whole Life, we take that seriously. One of the things that we offer to you is not just ourselves as pastors, which we are always available to you, but we also have a very important ministry called Stephen's Ministry, which takes lay members like yourself and equips them with over 50 hours of training to walk alongside people who are going through all kinds of difficulties in their life. And so if that's something, if you need somebody to walk with you, please reach out to one of our pastoral team. We'd be happy to connect you with Stephen Ministries, and they'd be delighted to walk with you wherever you are at. So we would like to invite you to do that. Um, I also want to go ahead and remind all of our young adults that we are having a free meal on the third floor right As soon as this is over, we're going to eat. And then afterwards, uh, I and uh, Carla Meunier, our youth pastor, are going to meet with you. There's some transitions happening within our young adult program. And whenever there's a transition, it's just a good time to reevaluate. We'd like to get your input on our young adult program to hear from you what we're doing really well and if there's ways that we can grow. So we hope you'll join us. I did have one young adult um, ask me what the food was going to be. Um, and in case, in, in case that, in case that's an important question, it's a, it's a lovely restaurant called Bole is, uh, is going ahead and doing that. Yeah. So you know, we care about our young adults, don't we? Okay. Now in case this also brings up the point, young adults are, have graduated from high school to 30 ish, 30 ish. Okay. If you're 40 ish, That's not 30-ish, okay? Um, I'm just saying, so, all right, just just as long as we make that clear, all right? Um, So, uh, we look forward to seeing you up front, uh, upstairs, young adults, and it is Father's Day tomorrow, and here at Whole Life Church, what we like to say is there's lots of different kinds of fathers. There's those of us who have biological children. There are those of us who have foster children. There are those of us who have adopted children. There's those of us who are are a father figure um, or a spiritual father figure to others. And so if you're male today, when you leave here, we just want to invite you to treat yourself to a, a bottle of dad's root beer. You'll see the big tub out there. And just go ahead and get yourself a dad's root beer as you head out. It might pair nicely with bole. I don't know. All right. So we'll find out. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we love you. We wanna thank you for the reminder of your freedom as we celebrate Juneteenth. Lord, we also are reminded as we celebrate Juneteenth that, that there are those who need us to stand with them, to stand up for them, and help us not to think that somehow that all the problems in this world have already been solved. Help us to stand with those who are oppressed. Help us to care, and may Juneteenth be a time when we reflect on that. Lord, we also pray for our fathers that your blessing would be on them. We thank you for the godly men in all of our lives. And finally, Father, we pray for those who are hurting today. We pray that you would wrap your arms around them, but we pray that we would not leave that simply to you, but that we would be your hands and feet, that we would wrap our arms around those who are hurting. We pray these things in your name. Amen. I love you. Go love your world.
0: Hi, this is Randy McGray, podcast producer and host here at Whole Life Church. Loving people into a lifelong friendship with God is our mission at the Whole Life Church, and our podcasts, Speaking of Grace, and its companion, 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff, are designed to help facilitate conversations that help us grow together in that pursuit. Now that you've heard the message for this week, don't forget to check out the whole life takeaways for this message. Swipe up in today's show notes and join the conversation. Speaking of conversations, each Wednesday morning we take a closer look at the week's message. That's right, the one you just listened to. We discuss practical ways to apply spiritual lessons and ask honest questions about the issues we face as Christians, all focused through the lens of grace. Your voice is a welcomed addition to that conversation. We encourage your thoughts and your questions by sending a voicemail or text to 407-965-1607 or send an email to podcast at wholelife.church. You can find everything podcast-related on our website, wholelife.church slash podcast. And plan on spending every Tuesday evening and Wednesday morning with us as we bring you the Whole Life Church inspiration you love straight into your headphones. Thanks for listening and have a great week.